back at it, but today we're going to make our way to our last 316 verse of this series, which is not John 316, but 1 John 316. So same author, different book. I want to invite you to look at that with me uh, right now. If you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry to eat from this message right here, say let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's go ahead and look at it together. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. No amens, nothing. Just crickets in the room. All right. Let's, let's try that again. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Okay, okay. We got a few people listening. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Love that right there. This reminder, this challenge that's been given to each one of us in the body of Christ here today. And that's to, to love our brothers and sisters. And, and to use the gospel, to use the cross of Jesus Christ to be a measuring stick for that. Let's go ahead and look at these next two verses so we can read in the context and make sure we capture John's heart. He goes on to say in verse 17, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Okay, we got a clap right there. Yeah. Yeah, amen. And if two people clap, we all clap, all right? We don't want anybody feeling awkward here. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would speak through this message now. God, we've sang about your love this morning, how it's unconditional. God, we've, we've sang about how we need to move this morning, God, from your presence. God, we've sang how the, that you'll never let us go. You'll hold us fast. So God, bring all those together now through this message. We ask Holy Spirit for you to wake us up. Speak to us, teach us, grow us, draw us near through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of the message that I feel like the Lord has led me to preach this morning is, is actually the title of a song that maybe you've heard of before. It's, What's Love Got to Do With It? All right? All right, all right, we ain't going to do all that, okay? Uh, you, can, you can turn that down. Um, what's Love Got to Do With It? Everything everything. Come on, I'm going to say that question and you say the answer, right? What's love got to do with it? Everything. One more time, what's love got to do with it? Everything. everything. What's love got to do with Christianity and the Bible and what we're talking about here today? The answer is everything. I want to talk about why this is the reality, why love has to do with our lives, what we think, what we do, what we say, and how it shapes who we are as the church. We find here in 1 John 3.16, the first part, letter A of this text says, this is how we know what love is. Let me ask you this question. How do you know what love is? Do you know what love is? And how do you know what love is? We find the gospel writer John here asking this question and giving this statement. He says, this is how we know what love is. John was a guy who was, he was amazed by the love of Christ. I really believe John was, he, he was just, uh, his mind was blown. He, he, he was consumed by this reality. He, he was saturated with the fact that Jesus loved him. How would you know that? Well, John's the only disciple that identifies himself as the disciple Jesus loved. And sometimes we hear that and we think, man, that, that's kind of prideful to say or boastful to say. But I don't think it was boastful. I think it was just he was aware that he was loved by Jesus. 
So he found his identity in the love of Christ so much that when he introduced himself, he's like, hey, Jason, my name's John. I'm the one that Jesus loves me, man. That's, how, that's, how, that's who I am. Like, who are you? I'm hiding. I'm loved by Jesus. That's all you need to know. And John was so consumed by that, he, he writes about the love of Christ all over the Bible. We see him write in his gospel about the love of Christ all throughout it. We see him write in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, these three different epistle letters that he wrote to the churches. He writes about the love of Christ. We see him in Revelation. He gets this vision. He was persecuted for his faith. He was outcast to the city of Patmos, and he wrote the book of Revelation where he saw a vision of heaven. And it was in this that he writes about the love of Christ. And here in 1st John 3.16, he says, this is how we know what love is. Some people have went on to define love as an emotion. They say, hey, you know, like, I love you because I feel love for you, or I, I, I was able to fall in love with you. And then some people say, I fell out of love with you, which I don't fully understand, but like how you fell into it, but fell out of it. Some people say, you know what, love is a choice that comes whether or not you agree with me. For example, if you agree with me, I love you. If you disagree with me, I hate you. <laughs> our, our culture and our world has define love in so many different ways, I think it's only right of us this morning, Walk Church, for us to ask the Bible how the scriptures define what love is. Amen? Can we do that today? He says, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We, We can know what biblical love looks like by taking time to look at the gospel. By fixing our attention on the cross of Jesus Christ, it'll be in this that you get to know what love is. We see this in John 3.16. Pastor Gary gave us a great word on this earlier in the series. It says, for God so, say it with me, he so loved, right? He so loved the world that he gave his only son. God says, if you want to see my love, look at my actions. My love is demonstrated by giving my son. And my son went on to live the life that you couldn't live and didn't live. He went on to die the death we deserve to die and didn't die because he did it for us. Then whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I love that, that his love leads to us not perishing but having eternal life if we choose to believe it. Some people ask this question sometimes, Hayden, how could a good loving God send people to hell? And my question back to them is, 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 is it God that sends them to hell? Because when I read that verse, it says it looks like he doesn't want us to perish. It looks like he's going out of his way, so that doesn't have to happen. I think people send themselves to hell by rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ, by saying, I don't need your love. I don't need your sacrificial death from your son. I don't need the blood of Jesus. I can do it on my own. That's you saying, I can try it on my own, and that's where it'll lead. And God says, you know what? I'll let you do it yourself. But just, know, so, just so you know, I sent my son, and you, that doesn't have to be the case. That's a picture of his love. Jesus talks about this authority that he has, that it was his choice alongside the Father to lay his life down for us. We see this in John chapter 10. So let's move from John 3 to John 10, verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, says Jesus. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus is teaching us here this morning that he has authority even over death. He says, I'm choosing to lay my life down 
for you because I love you. It was a choice that he had to make. It was a choice that he had to make to leave heaven to become a baby and to humble himself. It was a choice that he had to make to become a carpenter working with his hands. It was a choice that he had to make to die a sinner's death. And it's in that that we see a picture of the love of God. Let's go from John 10 to John 15. In John 15, we see him say this, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says there's no greater picture of love than when somebody says, you know what, I'm willing to lay down my, my life for the people that I call my friends. Isn't it awesome that Jesus calls us friends? I, I'm, I'm excited about that reality. That Jesus looks at us this morning and you watching online and says, I consider you a friend enough to die for. And if you really want to know what love is, look at that. John says, this is how we know what love is, that Christ laid down his life for us. If we focus our attention on the cross, and you can see Jesus with spikes in his hands and his feet, and a nail-pierced hand and, 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 and blood running down his face, he's got the crown of thorns on, he says, it's in that moment you'll see love. Tony Morita says it in his commentary best. He says it like this. He says, John 3.16 says, God gave his son for us. 1 John 3.16 says we should give our lives for others. The Bible says if you want to see love, look at the cross. The Bible says if you want to show love, look at the cross. The Bible says if you want to know love, look at the cross. The Bible says if you want to live love, church, look at the cross. Because it's there that we see the love of God on display in its fullest measure. Now watch this. This is about to get difficult. All right, if you're ready, say ready. All right, here it goes. Let's go ahead and look at the last part of verse 16. Part C, if you would. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for brothers and sisters. Man, I think that, that alone right there, we could probably close it up, amen? We could probably close the Bible right there and end this message right there and say, if we could just live out this verse, we would do all right. The scripture tells us that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. In doing so, you'll know what love is. In doing so, this world will know what love is. In John 13, Jesus gives us the measurement for how we'll know if we're disciples or not. We're all called to be disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, right? But how do you know if you're a disciple or not? Jesus says, here's one way you'll know, by the way you love one another by the way you love the people in your life by the way you love the people in this church by the way you love the people in this city by the way you love this world Jesus says it's going to be through this that you'll know if you're a disciple there was a guy by the name of William Booth he founded the Salvation Army hundreds of years ago he wrote a letter to his company his business and all the employees of the Salvation Army who who started out with this gospel mentality to try to, to, to bring relief and, and healing to their city. And William Booth writes this letter, and they open the letter, the story goes, and they pull this letter out, and they say, this is the letter from William. Here's what it says. And on that letter was one word. It just said, others, period. And what he was trying to do was get this message across to his people and saying, what we're about here is about loving others. 
about saying, you know what, it's not just about me, but it's about the person next to me. It's about loving others. I once heard of a story about a, a, a revivalist that was going throughout England preaching these revival messages, and people were getting saved left and right. And his brother went to this church, and it was packed one night. They were all ready to hear him. It was going to be a three-night revival conference. And the first night, they introduced this speaker, and he got up, and everybody clapped and cheered, and they said, he, he's going to bring the word. He's going to change our church. And he got up, and he opened his Bible, and he said, Tonight, the message from the Lord is this, love one another. And he closed his Bible, and he went and sat down. And everybody was like, man, that was really weird. And they sat there for a little bit, and no one really knew what to do, until finally someone got up and said, okay, we're, we're dismissed for the night. Um, let's try again tomorrow night, all right? And so they came back the next night. And the British pastor, he pulled open his Bible and they introduced him and it was, a, it was a full house and he said, tonight's message tonight is love one another. He closed his Bible and he went and sat back down. And now everybody's thinking, this is so strange. What is happening? And they sat there in silence for a few minutes until finally somebody got up and went and found somebody in that church and said, hey brother, I know I wronged you. I'm sorry, I love you, will you forgive me? And there was a prayer moment that happened right there in that place. And then another person got up. Another person went and talked to the preacher and just started to share their heart. And all of a sudden it turned out and turned, it broke into this meeting place where people started loving each other and saying, what do you need? How can I meet your need? How can I help you? How can I love you? And the church began to get set on fire where they didn't even need the third night of revival. They were too busy loving each other. This reality that the Bible teaches us, if you really want to be spiritual, love each other. And it's your measuring stick for how to love each other is what? The cross of Christ. Here's what that teaches me. That shows me that the love that God has called us to have as believers in Christ is, is not easy. It's actually really hard. It's, it's difficult love. The ESV study Bible says Jesus' path to the cross marks the selfless, self-giving way of life to which his followers are called. That we're called to follow Jesus' demonstration of love. That he's demonstrating what love looks like through him denying himself and laying his life down. And he says, now you're called to do the same thing. I'm not talking about convenient love. I'm not talking about easy love. I'm talking about self-sacrificial love. Love that hurts. Love that costs. Love that's not easy. Love that doesn't just happen randomly. Love that's intentional because that's what Jesus did for us. Warren Wearsby in his commentary, he talks about this verse as well. He says it like this. He says, self-preservation is the first law of physical life. But self-sacrifice is the first law of spiritual life. That we're not called to just provide for ourselves and kind of may the, may the fittest survive and may we just get a bunch of stuff and stuff and stuff for ourselves. He says, actually, you're called to do that to love each other. I've been learning about this idea in my own life and I'm grateful that this church represents this verse well, but I think we can continue to grow in this area, you guys. I think we can continue to love each other better. And we can use Jesus and his example 
as a model. Last year, I was watching a movie. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert. You need to see it. Take your girl out for a date. Netflix and chill. Do whatever you want to do and watch this movie, all right? Hacksaw Ridge. I don't know if you've seen it before, but this movie is awesome right here. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about it, but I'm going to do a poor job at it so you can go see it, all right? There's a guy by the name of Desmond Doss in this movie. And Desmond Doss is a man who has religious beliefs. He has a Christian faith. And he believes convictionally from the scriptures, this was his personal conviction, that though he wanted to go to war and though he wanted to serve his country and though he wanted to be a part of the action, his conviction was that he would not pick up a gun to do it. He said, I wouldn't touch a gun. I'm not going to shoot somebody. I'm not going to kill somebody. But that doesn't make me less of a warrior. And he got bullied. He got persecuted. One of his fellow soldiers came up and punched him right in the face in the movie and said, well, what are you going to do if that happens? Right? And here was his line that was such a game changer for me. He said, well, you guys are out there taking lives. I'm going to be out there saving lives. Right? And spoke to me, challenged me, right? And in this movie, you see Desmond Doss go into war. It's World War II. It's in Japan. They do a great job taking you into the moment. And he's there on the battlefield. And there's soldiers all left and right alongside him with their guns out going blazing. Grenades jumping off everywhere, mines lifting up. And, and he's seeing friends of his get shot. And it's in that moment that he tri- it triggers this mindset that this is why he's there. And he crawls through the mud and he grabs a friend of his that got shot. And he drags him through to safety. And he goes and says, you know what, God, give me one more. And he crawls back out there again, bullets gazing right over his head. He grabs another person, missing an eyeball. He brings him to safety and he says, God, give me one more. And he goes back out there and grabs two guys and he puts them on his back and he crawls his way to the edge and brings them to safety. One's missing a leg, one can't even move. And he says, God, give me one more. Seventy people he saved that night. And they honored him in front of America and said, listen, this guy did more without a single firearm than any of our soldiers could have done with a hundred, right? And, and, and it, this is what I get from his story. From his story is that he, he could have just went to the bunker and saved himself. Just said, you know what? I'm glad I made it through that. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray that everybody gets saved, amen? But he said, no, I want to go get one myself. I want to go into the action I want my love to be on display through my life. I'll go get some of them myself, and I'll trust God to do it through me. We see Desmond Doss give us a picture of what 1 John 3.16 is all about. Let's go ahead and move into verse 17. Let's go on beyond 16, and let's introduce verse 17. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, or one translation says, but decides in their heart to not have pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person, John asks. John says, how can the love of God really be in you if you never help somebody or meet somebody's need? I read about a story of a, a person who said, he, he ran up to somebody and he said, hey, listen, I love you, I'll die for you. And the person said, well, that's nice. Can you help me with something to eat now? <laughs> I need a place to stay tonight, though. I'm glad you'll die for me, but what, what about 
today. And John says, this is what it looks like today if anyone has material possessions, which we don't struggle with too bad in America. You see a brother or sister in need. He says, meet that need. Don't turn your heart from that person, especially in the church, but help meet that need. And guess what? Listen, hear, hear me on this. If it feels uncomfortable, if it feels inconvenient, if it feels like a burden, that's right where you're supposed to be. Because when you show me the verse where Jesus is on the cross and he's like, this is great. This is easy. Like, Jesus, the night before he went to the cross, was on his knees in the garden sweating blood, which is an actual medical condition that when you're, when you're stressed out enough and suffering enough anxiety, you'll start to sweat blood. That's where the human Jesus was at. And Jesus says, I want them to know how much I love them, that I'm even willing to go to the cross. If you start to feel the anxiousness, the wrestle, that's your trigger. Okay, this is where God wants me to be. I need to depend on him, and I need to meet this need. For me, I, I've learned that for me, I, it's, it's something that I had to ask myself, God, what does that look like for me? I think that we should all ask that question. When you leave today, ask that question. What does it look like for me to meet a need? How can I love sacrificially? How can I be a, a 1 John 3, 16 and 17 type believer? From my, my earliest days, even in elementary school, I remember being a shoe collector. It's just my thing. I've always loved Jordans and I've always loved shoes. And when I got saved, I really sensed the Lord put it on my heart to hold them loosely. And it was then that God birthed the shoe ministry in my heart. Where I, I, I can't remember a year that's gone by where God hasn't just placed a need in front of me to meet a need with shoes. And, and, and the only thing today that I would say feels better than putting on a new pair of shoes for me is giving a new pair away. It's, it's such a blessing to be able to say, man, let me bless you with these shoes. If you're here today and you say, hey, I got a need. I, got, I need some new shoes. Let me know so I can help meet that need in your life. And if maybe you say, I got a child or I got a son who plays sports or has a need or I, that needs some shoes, that's a personal ministry of mine that I love to get involved in and meet those needs. It's just something unique that God's placed in my life. And I want to encourage you to do the same and figure out where God has given you. Uh, a brother in our, in our church recently stopped by my house with his uh, landscape truck, whatever that thing is called, right? And he said, hey, I'm, he was in my backyard do, helping, cutting down stuff, mowing the lawn and all that. I said, bro, what are you doing? He said, I'm, doing, I'm using my gift. This is how I love people. I said, man, let me, get, let me help you because we, <laughs> we needed it. He said, this is how I love. I can remember someone calling Nina and I up saying, hey, listen, um, can we just bless y'all with a date night? We'll watch your kids and we'll bless you like that. It might have been an inconvenience for them, but it was a demonstration of love. It was an action that met a need. I can remember a time in Nina and I's life where this message became true for us. And we were in, in the moment where the rubber hits the road and we were getting ready to go on a date night. And maybe you guys are familiar with a moment like this where you get all ready, you got the babysitter picked out, you're getting ready to go on a date night. And we got in the car and I got a text message from a buddy of mine. 
And he said, I'm really struggling. I'm going through suicidal thoughts. And it was in that moment where I said, you know what? Nina, what do you think about this? And her love for Jesus said, let's go ahead and call him and see what's going on. We called him and he said he already had cuts on him. He was not in a good place. I said, where are you at? He said, I'm right here at this specific location. We went over and we picked him up. We took him to the hospital. I stayed in the hospital with him that night for uh, two and a half hours. Nina stayed in the car. And, and just, we just prayed together. And the, the, the doctors came out after about two and a half hours and said, I'm sorry, we can't take you tonight. We, we, insurance, different difficulties and whatnot. So we prayed in the moment. We were able to provide for him. And we got him a weekly stay at a, um, a weekly motel. And it was in that that he was able to get hit back on his feet. He got himself a job interview. He got himself a job. He got plugged in here at church. And God's been using him ever since. And, and I, 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 sh- I share this story with you because it would have been so easy to just turn away from that, amen? Because it was, it was, let me go, can I be, it was definitely an inconvenience. Times a hundred. But I'm grateful that, that Nina and I came into agreement in that moment that says, okay, let, let's, how would, how can we be Jesus in this moment to this brother? And love sacrificially. I know that moms, y'all, y'all live this verse out. Probably better than any people I know. Y'all are like, this is my verse. I'm loving. And it's not a convenience. It's actually hard. Married couples in the room. It's hard. But you can love each other. And not just say, I love you. But what if you lived out verse 16 and verse 17 with it? Let's look at it again. It says, with your actions, meet a need. Don't just say, I'll pray for you. Go meet the need and pray for him too. Don't just say, I love you. Like when I tell Nina, I say, hey, I love you. She, she really feels it when I come with a Starbucks drink and say, I love you. Amen? I'm just being transparent. Can I keep it 100 this, this morning? Right? I'm giving you all some tips, okay? If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? We should look at the gospel. We should look at the cross and say, okay, this is the, the picture of love. This is how that's going to look in my life. Luke 9, 23 and 24 tells us this. Now let me go ahead and remind you, this is going to sting a little bit. But this is what he said to all. Everybody say all. all. This isn't to the pastors. This isn't to the religious elite. This isn't people called to ministry professionally. This is to all. He said, if anyone would come after me, some of your translations say, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I think sometimes in America we read this verse and say, if anyone would come after me, let him love himself. Let him celebrate himself. Let him glorify himself. Let him take a selfie of himself. But I read a verse that says, let him deny himself. Could there be a harder thing to do, you guys, than deny yourself? The Christian life is about denying yourself daily and saying, it's not about me, it's about what Jesus you want to do through me. And whatever that is, my yes is on the table. Jesus never asked the disciples, what do y'all want to do today? Jesus said, this is what we're doing today. Follow me. And that's our call, to deny ourselves and then to take up our cross. What does that mean? Right? In our culture, the cross has become a pendant of jewelry. 
But at this stage, this was an execution chamber. To hear, take up my cross daily? No wonder Jesus only had 12 followers. People were like, I'm not doing that. He says, if you can do those two things, then come follow me. I don't know that the call has changed. I don't know that the calling is to be your best life now. I would disagree with that statement. If your best life is now, then what does that say about heaven? (laughs) It's going to be hard to live out this type of love. It's going to be hard to deny yourself daily. It's going to be hard to take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. But Jesus says, listen, it's worth it. And listen, watch this. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses life for my sake will save it. This is the calling on our lives. And I believe that if you would really follow Jesus in this, you'd have it no other way. That the disciples would look back and say, I made the right choice in following Jesus. As we go ahead and conclude this message, let's look at the last verse. Verse 18. We see here, and say, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, his talk is cheap. Have you ever heard that before? Did y'all know that came from the Bible? <laughs> right? <laughs> that came from verse 18. He said, let's not love with words or speech. That kind of goes with the wind. Let's love with actions and truth. If we do this, church, if we take this message serious and we say, you know what? I'm going to love people, my neighbors, my church, my city with my actions and with the truth, I believe we'll start to see every chair in this whole church get filled up because I believe people are going to say, man, I want that. Where's that coming from? I need that. Jesus had a brother named James. James wrote in his epistle, he said it like this. He said, be doers of the word in James 1.22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. It's like looking at yourself and then you got something all messed up on your face and you look at yourself and then you leave and you didn't didn't get it though. You didn't wipe that off. You forgot. Jesus says, if you say, hey, you're a follower of me, and you love me and you love people, but you don't do anything about it, he says you're deceiving yourself. Does anybody like being deceived? I don't. So let us be a church that loves people not just with our words. Like, hey, I love you, bro. I love you, sis. But what if we did that with our actions too, amen? We started to meet needs like meal trains. I know we do those things really well at our church. Praise the Lord for that. When you hear a need of a babysitter need or a, um, a need of just helping somebody in their home or helping somebody at the hospital or helping somebody with shoes or how about starting a food pantry right here at Schofield Middle School to help meet a need in our city. These are ways for you to get involved and live out these verses. I'm going to conclude with a verse of scripture. This will be my last one that we look at this morning. It's out of Acts chapter 2. Jesus had died on the cross. Jesus had rose from the grave. And Jesus had commissioned his church to follow him, be filled with his spirit, and live this message. And here's what happened. 
It says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had a need. And day by day, attending the temple together, they were breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Now watch this. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It was the Lord who said, I'll add to that church. It, it was the Lord that said, they're doing everything that I asked them to do. I think sometimes we read this and it sounds radical, but really this is Christian. This isn't radical, this is just biblical. That people took the message of Jesus, love one another serious. And they said, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to sell some stuff to meet your need. We're going to give some stuff away to meet your need, as any had a need. And day by day, they were coming together to break bread. They were worshiping. They received their foods with glad and generous hearts. They praised God together. They had favor with the people. And the Lord said, I'm going to add in 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 people were getting saved because they had that example of love. So my ask to you this morning is a challenging one. How can you be a 1 John 3.16 Christian that loves your neighbor, that loves this city, that loves this world for the glory of God? As I close, I want to give you an, an opportunity to respond. Uh, this month of March, we're going to be doing something at Walk Church that we call Love Strong. It's our Love Strong campaign. Ms. Munoz got her shirt on. Let's go. And um, it's going to be an awesome opportunity for you to live out these verses, right? Uh, maybe you remember this. I hope you do. But on October 1st of 2017, something very tragic hit our city. There was a man who was demonically possessed, I believe. He went up into his hotel in Mandalay Bay. He was absolutely crazy, and he began to shoot people at a concert. 58 people that night passed away. And our city is still recovering from the, the, the just horrifying um, event that happened that night. There still needs to be answers. There's still a lot of healing to be done. But what came out of that time was a unity in our city that was built around this phrase, um, Vegas Strong. Maybe you've seen it before. And it's a bumper sticker. It's a hashtag and millions of hashtags that say Vegas Strong. And t-shirts that say Vegas Strong. But one day the Lord asked me, he said, Hayden, what does that even mean? Because I was saying it, and I still do. But I believe what Vegas strong looks like, it looks like to love strong. It looks like to inconvenience yourself to love. And so what we've done alongside our sister Y. Gruger, who is our local missions coordinator, has done a fantastic job of calling different partners around our city like Metro, like the fire department, like the Las Vegas Rescue Mission, like the Women's Medical Resource Center, like FCA right here in our city, uh, right here at Schofield Middle School. And here's what we've asked. How can we love you? Homeless shelters, senior citizen places. How can we come alongside you and just meet some needs? Even if it inconveniences us, that's what we want. Because that's what love is. It looks like laying yourself down. And we got some response and for the month of March, we're going to be serving in our city and our different partners. And I want to challenge you to sign up for one of those serving opportunities. To say, you know what? 
in March, I'm going to do it. I'm going to serve a teacher. I'm going to serve a homeless person. I'm going to get out and I'm going to serve my neighborhood. Live your own love strong. Do it right there in your community. And I believe that God will use your Christian witness and love and he'll multiply it in a major way. So when we dismiss this morning, go over to our Love Strong table. It's right there in the back. I see Y over there. She's ready to meet you and talk with you and get you signed up. And maybe you say, hey, I, I can't serve this day, but maybe I can this day. We might find something for you on that day to love strong. We'd love to come alongside you and do just that. Let's pray.